and welcome to the Women in Business Ask for More podcast. I'm your host, Zara Jan Dua, and this is brought to you by the Royal Bank of Scotland. When I was studying to be a journalist, I thought I would change the world. And many of you might be hoping to do the same with your business. Having a social purpose that either defines what you do or one that supports your existing operations is both hugely admirable and challenging. But we can do it all, can't we? Well, if you're thinking of setting up a social enterprise, a charity, CIC, or perhaps just looking for ways to flex your business structure to support a cause, then listen up as we meet two fierce women who are making changes, one tampon and one pot of honey at a time. On today's episode, we meet the founder of Hey Girls, Celia Hodson, and Susie Miller, co-founder of the Scottish Bee Company. We find out why they chose their cause, discuss structure options, how to set up, and we find out why education is central to both of these businesses. Later, we hear some top tips and find out what these femtrepreneurs have coming up. First, she is the Great British Entrepreneur of the Year 2019 winner who's on course to see turnover more than double in its second year, but admits she has no desire to become a millionaire. Driven by her goal to end period poverty in the UK, I'm so looking forward to getting this conversation flowing. We met first on International Women's Day, didn't we, Celia? We did. That was yeah. earlier this year when yep. you were on the panel. It was a fab event, wasn't it? It was a wonderful event, a room full of positivity, which I just adore women's conferences. So but yeah, since meeting you there, I've just seen the business grow and the impact that you've made has been astounding. So I read somewhere it's, you're on track to turn over 2.2 million this year. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, just done it, actually. So just, Well, even better. <laughs> we just passed it, yeah. Even better, fab. And also here is co-founder of the Scottish Bee Company, Susie Miller. Now, you may be familiar with the biblical reference to bees disappearing and that man would only have four years to live. This ecological Armageddon is the driving force behind Susie Miller's business to basically save our world. The Scottish Bee <laughs> Company, that's what you're doing, isn't it? With sales tripling year on year, she has become queen bee of this industry and I am buzzing that you're here. <laughs> Can't resist. Very good, very, very good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, what made you decide to start up the Scottish Bee Company? So my husband and I were living in the States for a little bit. He was doing, he was studying business over there. And at the time, so this was about five years ago, there was a, a, a buzz, again, forgive me, <laughs> uh, about uh, a thing called B Corporations, but that actually stands for Benefit Corporations um, and how you can have a, a company, a company, a limited company that is still doing good. Um, so Ben and Jerry's are an example, also Patagonia, etc um, and so we really loved that idea of sort of building a global brand but still doing good for the world at the same time and then every time we looked into it we kept coming back to bees because we always want to do something environmental and you really just can't affect the environment um, without having to have something to do with bees as well so you're also you're producing honey as well as selling it yeah, so we, well, what we do is we give hives to small-scale bee farmers and larger-scale bee farmers now as well across the country, and we help them grow. Um, and then we basically collect all the honey together, and then we um, jar it and sell it. But you're also so you do a lot of uh, training and working with farmers. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so we're doing an apprentice. We run an apprenticeship program uh, because one of the things that is very evident in Scotland is that there's not enough young people getting into mm -hmm. bee farming. Um, so we started one up uh, last year, and um, she's going into her final year this year, which is great. Great to get the young ones into it. And one one of the other yeah. traditions I love about bees apparently is the telling of the bees. Have you heard about this? 
quite an old, I don't know why I'm so into traditions <laughs> when it comes to bees, but apparently if you keep bees, you should tell them and update them on everything that happens in your house, otherwise they'll leave. So oh. just to let you know, Susie, if they start oh. leaving, you might need to start telling them what. Yeah, I really need to, I need to know that. That's yeah. great. Um, and, and fabulous because you're also, you're in House of Brewer, Visit mm -hmm. Scotland. I mean, you've, you've got some big players on your, on your list there. Yeah, I think there's definitely a demand for good quality honey, um, especially in Scotland. And also heather honey has been shown to be the same, if not better, than Manuka. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and given that Scotland's an, an amazing place to produce heather honey, it sort of seems like the right time, which is great. Fab. And, and uh, Celia, um, you've actually been working in social enterprises for 15 to 20 years. Yeah, makes it sound old, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I Very experienced. I can't imagine not being involved in social enterprise now. It's sort of all I know. Mm. I love it. And obviously, Hey Girls, make um, you make your own tampons, sanshi pads and menstrual cups. Why did you decide to make your own products? And what is it that Hey Girls do? Yeah, so um, we're a very simple structure, which is a buy one, give one business model. So for every product that we sell, we donate the same product to someone in need. So it's not sort of you buy a gorgeous, organic, biodegradable, sustainable thing for you, and then you buy a giveaway, a cheaper version. It's exactly the same, and that's really important to us. And the environment is an important piece to us as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we we um, we manufacture and then we pack here in Scotland, which is a gorgeous thing to do. We have a, a wonderful team of mums that drop their kids off in the morning and come into work and pack products all day and then leave in time to pick up their kids, which makes me very happy, knowing how hard it is to get a job that you fit in around your family. And um, we um, we also supply supermarkets. So we're in um, Asda, Waitrose, the co-ops, co-op mid, and uh, we sell online, which is a joy because you get that direct connection with your customers mm. who buy a product, you know, they, they crazily Instagram themselves opening their box and, and sort of tell you how they feel about it. Which or do is, they do a bit of unboxing? Yeah, yeah, they the do call, all the unboxing. Yeah. They even go as far as, um, you know, buying a menstrual cup and then one lady said, right, she's in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is going to be a really interesting Hopefully story. that was waist up you saw in the video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that, you know, being an online, you can actually build a really great relationship with your customers. Um, most of our business is public sector and private contracts, mm -hmm. which is kind of feels a bit more arm's length. But yeah. But you only started this last year in January. Yeah, it's hard to well. <laughs> I can't imagine life, what was life like before Hey Girls, because <laughs> it is all consuming. Um, in, I, I started Hey Girls because I brought my kids up on benefits and I struggled, really struggled to manage, didn't manage many months I didn't manage. Um, my kids are now in their 30s and have got their own children, so I enjoy being a granny, one of the most wonderful things in the world. But um, you'd think, you know, in 2019, people wouldn't be so hard up that they couldn't afford menstrual products, but it's pretty common. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, it's one in 10 girls in the UK doesn't, isn't able to access menstrual products. Um, and I think that, you know, I just chose not to accept that. Mm -hmm pretty shocking because I mean I think was it a couple of years ago we, we saw a few articles about about poverty and particularly around period poverty there were stories about women young girls even having to use socks or, or, or toilet roll what was the extent of your situation and how you experienced period poverty yeah just just that really so if you've got um 
Back in those days when you claim benefits, you used to go to the post office and draw your benefits. So I used to come home with my, you know, with my money and then I used to put it in jam jars so I could see which, you know, how much we had for food, how much we had for bills and we had for school things. Um, and so it, it, it was, it was really, really, really tough. And if you get you know, to the supermarket checkout and you, you try and add up as you go around and try and buy everything that's on, you know, on discount things. But actually when you get to the checkout and, you know, your shopping comes to £14 and you've only got £12 in your purse, I can guarantee that mum will put back anything like shampoo and menstrual products or, you know, mm-hmm. any of those things because food is, is what you're there to buy. Um, and so you just, you do just cope, you do use socks and make your own pads I mean women used to make their own pads um so you just you just find innovative ways to cope but it isn't a great thing to do Mm -hmm. and it doesn't make you feel good about yourself um you know there have been days when I couldn't go out because I was worried about leaking and that you know you think about girls at school that are worrying about that 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 restricts what, how they're participating in school, if they're not taking part in sports, just how they feel about themselves in the world. It completely really. takes away and strips your dignity and your freedom, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 And I, I know that now, obviously, you started Hey Girls with your daughters. Yeah. So they're involved in the, the company as well. Yeah, particularly my youngest daughter. So she, um, she's the most beautiful person. She carries the weight of the world on her shoulders. She likes to care for people and worries about people. So she, the natural thing was for her to manage the donation part. So she has about 200 donation partners across the UK that she emails and chats with and says, what products do you need this, this month? Uh, at the end of the month, we just ta- ta- sort of tally up our sales and then we say to Kate, right, you've got this many to give away. And off she goes, gets, gets someone out the door. So what is your goal with Hey Girls? Um, I suppose ultimately to close it's a weird thing isn't it to start a business to eradicate period poverty and if there isn't any poverty if there isn't any period poverty then there's no need for hey girls I love that you, you don't want to be a millionaire and you want to close the business that's your goal <laughs> it's a bit bizarre isn't it and Susie you um, co-found this with your husband you co-founded it with your husband yeah. what's that been like yeah, interesting yeah <laughs> we're still together so that's that's good we've also had a baby well in done. the mix so oh my goodness uh, yeah, congratulations so, i know yes yeah, so we had a baby and um and started a business and, and and did it together i don't know how we did it but we, we seem to be doing okay <laughs> now obviously you mentioned that the the reason behind this is in it's driven by environmental purpose um 60% of wildlife has disappeared since the 1970s that I read that stat and I just thought wow Mm. something really does need to be done um but you chose to be um, a private limited company tell me about the process that you went through because I think that there might be people out there that genuinely do want to make a difference and they're thinking how how do you set up and what do you set up as because there are a lot of options out there so how did you first approach this so we actually had um, investors that we were chatting to. So they were close family and friends, and we so we they wanted we all wanted it set up as a limited company. But our idea was that we would be a profits with purpose company like the B Corporation. So that would mean that that we were still doing really good things, but turning a profit. However, 
what we found was that people didn't quite understand that you know like the public didn't really understand but you're I don't understand you're doing good things but you're you're still making money Mm -hmm. so we've what we've done since then is we've actually set up our sister charity repollinate and that now means that all the good things that we're doing technically go through the the charity and that the business um donates to the charity as well um, and that just means that people can recognise it as, oh, it's a charity, or I, I understand what you're what you're doing now, or a social enterprise. People understand that, but they're not quite there yet with the with the kind of B corporation style of things. Although I think it is getting there. But you have started to look at how you flex your business model to include charitable giving, haven't you? Yes, that's right. So hopefully, over the next few months, we're going to make it so that we're donating something like ten p per jar. Um, to the charity and then the charity basically will do all the things that we wanted to do as a business which is um, basically increase pollination across the country by building wildflower spaces getting involved in education programs with schools putting hives into prisons um, and those sorts of things. I mean it's really interesting because you're clearly not just making and selling honey there's so much more to what you do but essentially now you're running two businesses. Yeah I know. Uh, maybe a bit ambitious, but um, but the, I think we've we've done that well because I think one sort of um, piece of advice I would give for running a charity is to make sure that you have a really good board because if you've got a really good board, then they can really help you get everything set up and running in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and and lots of people like to be on charity boards. It's mm-hmm. something that they quite like to do with their time. So you can get some really good quality people helping you out. You, yeah. So, so who do you have on your board helping you? So, well, we've got um, we've got about five people, a couple that have been involved in a, a funding application roles before. Um, we've got somebody that was involved with um, heritage and wild and, and wildlife. Um, so, it's people that are bringing expertise. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think? Do you feel like um, maybe having a social purpose behind what you do actually attracts people who are willing to offer or lend some help and advice? Yes, definitely. When we started at Hey Girls, um, you know, your list of things that you've got to do around your legal structure and IP and all of those things, um, you can't possibly afford to do them when you haven't, you know, you haven't really got much money. So I put calls out on my LinkedIn. Could anybody give me a bit of advice around, you know, IP or importing or barcodes or warehousing? And so many people instantly came back. You know, I, I, it's it's the thing I use now. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hegel's was built by about 50 people that came in to offer expertise on social media or looking over a press release or checking my finances. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a big believer in if you ask a lot of people for one tiny little favour, if you say to somebody, you know, help me write my whole business plan and then and then and then they'll go, well, I haven't got time. Mm-hmm. But if you say, can you just cast your eye over the finances? They'll say, yeah, of course you can. Um, and so their generosity and their years and years of expertise has actually given us free consultancy, which is you know so generous. I'm interested to know, Celia, how you chose your business model. I know that you say that you've worked for social enterprises for sort of 15, 15 years or so, so that seemed like the obvious fit. Did you look at other options? Um, I, no, because I started with the impact. So everything we do is about donating product. So if you start with how much impact you want to make and how you're going to do that, then um, the social enterprise structure is the only one that will enable us to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And we're a community interest company, which I quite like because it sort of does what it says on the tin, really. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've no shareholders. We've an asset lock, so we can't take loads of money out. 
Um, and it's just very, very transparent. So as well as reporting on our finances, as we all do to Companies House, etc., then we report to the Community Interest Regulator around the social impact that we've made. Mm-hmm. So that gives us the balance you know, that, that I wanted, really. And how did you approach setting up Susie, especially now that you've set up a, a charity as well, what were the differences that you saw between setting up your business and setting up the charity? Well, I think it's like anything, once you've done something once, actually the second time is, is, is a little bit more straightforward, even though it's a slightly different structure. Um, so the first time round, it really was just my husband and I doing sort of similar similar things, phoning people up and going, how do we do this? Um, but the second time around, because it's a charity, Oscar, so OSCR, are um, incredibly helpful because they you basically send what you want to do to them, and then they te- they send information back to you about this is you can do this, you can't do that, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and this is what you'll need to put in place. So um, for charity, that that sort of system is there and ready to help you, which is good. How did you know that Oscar existed? And we're breaking this down to the very basics. I mean, if for people that really want to start something and have no idea where to where to begin looking, that was your first port call. Yeah, so, uh, well, um, I, we knew that because we've worked with lots of people who work with charities, so we just asked them, um, how do you set up a charity? And they would say, Oscar. Yeah. Um, but I meant Google, obviously. It'll pop up straight away. But it's so important just to do those really yeah. simple searches, isn't it? Have a look and see what's online, see what's out there, see what other people are doing as well. So, Celia, you mentioned that you use LinkedIn, which is actually one of my favourite platforms. I feel like post-30s, it's become my favourite notification that I get. It's just a fabulous place to find people and connect with people. But you used it and you also rewarded people for helping you, didn't you? Yeah, so we invited our friends from LinkedIn, all the people that had helped us on our journey. So whether that was around IP or um, our website build or product design or any of those things, we invited everybody to our first birthday celebration, which we called a thank you party. And there's about 50 people in the room and each one, um, we made a sort of conga line, a human timeline of Hegel's journey. And our first one was a guy from um, East Lothian Council, who was the first conversation I had with an outside of family kind of person to say, this is the idea of Hegel's, what, what do you think? Am I crazy? And he said, no, Celia, you're not crazy. I think it's a great idea. It's a great model. And so he started off our human conga with his with his notice that said, I said, no, it's not a crazy idea. <laughs> um, and then it went from, the, you know, I helped build the website. I helped look over the first press release. And, and this room was just full of these people, beautiful, gorgeous, generous people who referred to their notice as we gave them as their certificate. (laughs) (laughs) Look at at what you all did. And it was great for them because they said, well, it was nothing. How many times do you sort of have a conversation with someone? And for you, it might be nothing. But for them, it's just unlocked so much. Mm -hmm. Either an introduction to someone or have you thought about doing this this way um, can really unlock a different kind of train of thought and opportunities so we just said we just said thank you to you gorgeous people for giving <laughs> your expertise I mean that's sort of online networking essentially but I mean how important do you think networking is especially for if you have a social purpose do you feel like it's more so than than other types of businesses um I don't know if it's more so I think it's essential pretty much to everything and I mm. can't quite realize you know we live in this sort of social media world now where you think that all your connections are just digital but the importance of face-to-face networking is still so big <laughs> so powerful no, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. um and and you know I hadn't realized that 
in order to be able to get quite a lot of things done, I'd have to go and have coffee with 10 different people to be able to, they, they would say, oh, you should go and speak to such and such and you should speak to such and such. And it would just kind of keep going like that. Um, so you find out about even grants. So uh, mm. did, you, did you find when you started researching that that was one thing in terms of funding that really popped out? Yeah, yeah. So I think and, and the grants, it's not they're not very obvious either. So you do have to kind of sometimes find out from other businesses who have done the same thing as you. Oh, actually, you you would be eligible to apply for this. So why don't you have a look at that? I don't know if you find that. as well. Yeah, I think. Um, so I, I absolutely don't kid myself that Hey Girls wouldn't have got going as quickly as it did had it not been in Scotland, because the social enterprise mm-hmm. network in Scotland is just second to none. And the you know, when sort of <clears throat> when you're a little mini success, some agencies hold on to you like mm-hmm. you're theirs and we created this and we're not going to share it. In Scotland and around the Social Enterprise Network, they invite you, they introduce you to someone who can help you more than they can. So actually, you know, you need a bit more support around this part of your enterprise. I'll do the intro, other than it's a cold call. I think that is so gorgeous you know the entrepreneur network in Scotland is fabulous we're yeah. quite generous I think aren't we with contacts yeah. you're listening to Royal Bank of Scotland's ask for more podcasts presented by me Zara Janjua yeah. I love that you lived and worked in I mean India Australia and you were asked where you most wanted to go and live and it was Dunbar <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah you just love the spot. The, I just love the spirit yeah. Yeah, I just think you know, people that really are interested, you know, what's your story? What's your backstory? That was a bit of a shocker from somebody who's quite private, but everybody wants to know where you're from. And you guys did it when you met today. Did I once meet you at something? Mm-hmm. That's really important to Scotland around where, you know, who do you know and how did you meet? And let me introduce you to. So I think that is a really beautiful spirit mm. that, that happens. Susie and I think we were cats together in four <laughs> yeah. lives, really. But you're right. I think that, that Scotland does have a, a really generous approach to networking. Um, I wonder how you first started looking at grants that might be available because um, with charities or with social enterprises, there are specific grants that you can apply for. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, and it depends where you live. There's a bit of a postcode thing goes mm-hmm, on. So mm-hmm. being from Dunbar, um, the council, the local authority there had little startup grants, which bless them, you know, without their 2K or whatever it was that got us going, we wouldn't have been able to um, formalise our structure. But the social enterprise space, you know, it's a, it's a, a pretty well mapped almost like a tube map of where you go for support now um so you go to someone like unlimited for maybe 500 pounds to sort of play with your idea and maybe buy a few train tickets and go and meet some people and then you go to first port for maybe a couple of thousand pounds to do a little test and then when that's going you go to social investment scotland because you're ready to take on the loan to get you going and you know it's a really well sort of that was a very quick and very great 101 <laughs> on places that you can go if you are if you are starting to think about how to set up and you're looking for some funding and um, but one of the things i'd love to talk about is um education because it's really central to what both of you do. Um, I mean, for instance, Susie, I, I love that uh, you you started going to sort of prisons and schools and teaching them how to keep hives. Yeah, so we haven't actually started that yet. Um, so that is, but that is part of Repollinate's aim. But you started the plans. So we started the yeah. plans. Yeah, um, we are just we are basically going to be starting to do a program. Hopefully, it'll be kind of like a. A video program for kids as well that they can follow the whole way through of the life cycle of a bee 
um and we obviously we have the apprenticeship which is the the main part of the education that we've been involved with thus far um but moving forwards there will be things with hopefully prisons and definitely schools and and that's part of the rehabilitation program yeah that's right so the program that we're thinking about has actually come from an idea that that an, a bee farming um business over in boston has and, and they're doing similar type of thing where they're basically putting hives into prisoners that helps with prisoner reform and actually if you go into the prisons in in edinburgh they're already doing things like that so they have um hens and they call it the hen attentiary um, <laughs> which is amazing Fab. Love apparently it's yeah. just great I do love for a pun. morale so <laughs> But how important and central is that now becoming within your business and certainly within the charity? Education? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just don't think that you can, I don't think that you can do something that is um, worth worth something unless you're investing in edu education as well, because it means that you can then pass all the information on to um, future people and future employees. And it's great cool. to see how much you're involved with farming and bee farming and you're continuing to do that. Yeah, so and also we're trying to do little networking things and we did a, a thing with uh, the pumpkin patch out in East Lothian this year. So we put bees there and helped their pumpkins grow and then um, they then sold our honey on their patch. And so we're just trying to do bits where we're maybe helping out farms for different things, mm -hmm. pollination um, type things. And I mean, bees are central to growing anything yeah so fruits and vegetables yeah absolutely it's really scary to think if they disappeared that we'd have four years and then we'd all have scurvy i know <laughs> who knows um celia you are doing a lot to tackle the the stigma and the taboo around um period poverty and actually even periods themselves talking about them um you've developed a few educational resources yeah, so we worked out that it's not enough just to donate product. It's important that we give products away, but actually there's a whole piece around not knowing what a period is, knowing not actually not knowing what the menopause are. Um, so we did lots of workshops with all sorts of organisations from um, girl guiding to social bite to women's support groups to uh, primary school teachers and sort of said, what, what level of knowledge have you got and what do you need to know to have a positive conversation about menstruation? Um, and was quite surprised at the lack of knowledge so you tend to learn it, you know, you learn it from your friends or you watch a video about it. But actually, how do you then tell young people what is a normal period? Um, so we created, um, with lots of consultation, uh, um, created a, a learning program. So from primary school, we say from 8 to 80, you can download free education information around what is menstruation and what are all the products that are out there it even goes into all the marketing around periods you know how did they used to market tampons amazing we all roller skate in our white shorts don't we <laughs> um, so actually covering that part yeah. and then taking that out to schools and saying is this useful and um, mm -hmm. so we run education at my period sessions with a card pack like a game of snap really with all the and the cards are made up from all the all the questions that we were asked amazing questions like um and some of them came from our team actually was uh one guy wrote to us and said why, why can't you wait till you get home to have your period oh just, just hold it in hold it in <laughs> be so lazy. Hold it in. yeah or if i go swimming will the sharks get me i love that one <laughs> if you wash your hair you'll go mad but actually if your friend tells you that in the playground or you know wherever you probably are going to believe it so we just did all this myth busting kind of thing mm -hmm. 
and then we had lots of men asking us questions around, you know, why was my girlfriend lovely yesterday and today she's, you know, going to bite in my head off. So we just did a, a thing called Hey Boys. So we put Maybe it was those. something we did, let's face it. <laughs> yes, probably. Okay. Let's, let's Not put it down them. to hormones too quickly. Yeah, let's give them all the information they need to be a supportive partner to understand that. And then that rolled into doing Pads for Dads, which was a campaign that we did. with. I love the name. Oh, Pads for Dads. Pads for Dads, fab. Yeah, gorgeous great. Michael Sheen did a little advert for us around you know if you, and he said if you go shopping for uh, food for your daughter you know what she likes to eat right but when it comes to menstrual products you haven't got a clue um, and uh, we very kind folks at STV put that out on prime time for us which was gorgeous mm -hmm. including uh, in the interval of the England uh, Scotland oh, that's great Six coverage. Nations oh. huh? How about oh, well that? done so that caused a whole thing around dads having conversations saying mm -hmm. I want to be a good dad I need to know this stuff now um, well so because really there's gorgeous. lots of you know fathers out there that you know have these conversations or need to have these conversations with with their daughters or with young women and you know it's it's quite tough for them I think to to navigate probably if they don't know don't know anything about it Celia what sort of impact have you made then because you clearly want to eradicate um <laughs> period poverty in the UK you want to close down you want to close business you don't yeah. want to be a millionaire you uh, in 12 months have in just 12 months am I right in thinking you that you donated 2.4 million products yeah so we're Ooh. just coming up to we'll be two in January and that number is now 6.2 million. That's incredible. That's a lot of pads <laughs> and tampons. And when I think about when we first got our, you know, our first container of product, and I just thought we may never sell these babies. You know, <laughs> we may never shift them. And I used to say, well, we'll clad the walls. <laughs> Use it like insulation. Don't worry, it'll be fine. Um, and now, you know, this, this 40 foot containers arrive at our warehouse every month, and then our team pack them. and. You know, it's um, it's it yeah, it's phenomenal, really. And it's come at a wonderful time as well because Scotland is also piloting, um, offering free period products to girls in school. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you've been doing a bit of work with the government, the Scottish government, haven't you? Yep. Um. So we supply, I think, twenty six out of thirty two councils mm. across Scotland with Hey Girls products, and that's pads. Uh, tampons, applicator tampons, but also reusable pads and menstrual cups, which is fantastic. We do a lot of work with universities because if you can give a student a menstrual cup on Freshers' Week, that's them done for you know yeah. up to ten years mm. done. Um, and we just uh, earlier this month ran a campaign with Zero Waste, which is that trial period. So they um, gave away uh, vouchers for, for reusable products mm -hmm. and got people to talk about why they were making the switch to a, giving a trial period to a, new, a reusable product, which is phenomenal. It actually crashed our website. Oh, really? wow. Yeah, with 1,600 people on there <laughs> and 68 trying to get their, their voucher into the shopping cart exactly at the same moment. And I was like, poof! <laughs> but it just shows you know, that people are willing to switch. Yeah. You know? mm. Okay, they needed the teaser of a free product, but actually if they switch, that's, you know, that's them done. Saves them a fortune, but actually saves all of that landfill. Now, obviously, given that you both run um, businesses with social purpose, I wonder how important um, prop profit is to what you do. Now, obviously, you have a private limited 
company, Susie. Mm. So how important is that to you? I'm, I'm taking it very. It's probably a very important aspect. Yeah, well, doing. I mean, it has to be. If you've got shareholders, you have to be looking at, at profit if you're a private limited company. Um, but what's really lovely is that the investors that we have are all interested in environmental uh things so they would they would much rather that we were still doing good things and turning and turning a profit but they also want to make sure that we're doing the the stuff that we said that we we're going to do in the first place which is to increase b numbers across scotland so but but obviously for the charity how does that that change now because you do as we mentioned have two businesses yeah. and one of them is a charity <laughs> yes well obviously the charity will be a completely different entity and so there aren't any shareholders in the in the charity um so is that what you mean? Well, just, Sorry. I mean, as a charity, how do you approach profit? Is it something that you consider and how does that feed back then into the charity? Well, so, that, so the way that I want to run the charity is actually quite like a business because what I want to do with it is I want it to be that it generates its own income rather than relying on fundraising constantly. Yeah. So that's why when we're doing, we're building wildflower spaces, but we're doing them as a tick box for corporate social responsibility for businesses so they can come and they can pay for um, us to go in and do the, wildflower space and that money then goes into the charity and then we can do education programs with so that money just building it yeah and and what what's your aim for the charity i basically want to turn any concrete jungle that's in scotland <laughs> into a wildflower space because i really see that there isn't any reason why we couldn't do that yeah um that would be one of my aims and then the other aim is to educate kids um and and really have them understand about bees and the importance of them in, in the environment so, I mean, both of you are looking to make huge changes to the world. Um, obviously, today, that's kind of what we've been talking about is having a social purpose within your business. If there are people listening to this that think that they would like to maybe start out or have a business with social purpose, how do they start going about that? I'm wondering if you have any sort of top tips for how to make a difference with your business. Celia. Um, so I do lots of mentoring with social entrepreneurs and I always say, have a go, you know, amount of people I've met that are still polishing their business plan after 12 months and mm -hmm. um, so have just have a go try a little pilot reflect on how it went refine it and have another go um, so I think there's nothing quite like trying it and then getting feedback to build to build something and then work out from that where where is it going where you know where do you move up what are the opportunities I think um, I've got I have three that I always say which is you know that start somewhere and move up um, know where you can flex. So when we started Hey Girls, we built it with an on, on first of all with online sales, and then went into supermarket sales. I hadn't considered public sector contracting, so if I'd have just gone, no, we're not going to. Mm -hmm. Actually, we're not interested in selling to councils or government buildings or any of those things. That now accounts for about seventy-five percent of our turnover. Oh. So we would still be a very nice, beautifully formed yeah. organisation, but not the scale, and therefore not the donations that we would have. So have done. an open mind. Have an open mind to yeah. opportunities, mm. and if, you know, and then that leads into the third one is be honest. If it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't work for you, if, if your gut, your whatever it is, sits on your shoulder, or your your intuition says actually something's not right here, then. Mm then walk, walk away honey. and you have walked away in the past when your gut when you've been offered deals and things from from supermarkets and yeah. you thought that doesn't it doesn't feel right yeah i mean they try and push you down on price and if you say well actually we can't go down on price because that um that damages our 
give one, you know, we're buy one, give one. And one supermarket said, but who's to know if it's just half a one? Oh, you're not going to do business Oh, they're sure really Yeah, it just you feels know. a bit grotty, yeah. doesn't it? So I think it? that, say thank you so much. Great to meet you, but actually that's not going to work for But it's not in line at all with what you stand for and what you want to accomplish and achieve. And and sometimes that's very difficult when it's a big contract, Mm -hmm. tens of thousands of pounds worth of first order, but I couldn't sleep with myself knowing that that was, I'd done that. So it's just, just no. Well, you should certainly be able to sleep at night with what you do (laughs) and what the impact certainly that you've made. Um, And how about yourself, Susie? If someone was to come to you and say, I want to start a business that makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, my, my thing is just always be really clear about what it is that you want to do. And just remember that because running a business and starting a business from scratch, there's days where you just think, I can't do this, I cannot do this. But if you've got it written down somewhere, like I have it written down on my laptop, that this is what we want to achieve, then you're always going to come back to, okay, well, that's how you're driving the business. And same as what you just said there. There are companies that we that have wanted to take us on, but they want to drive us down to prices that are, mean that we wouldn't be able to pay our bee farmers a fair amount. It's just a no, you know, because it's not, that doesn't fit with the, with the way that the business is. So, yeah. And do you have any other points that you want to make on, on if, if anyone was to ask you? I also think it's really good to have, like, a, a, I call it a round table. So people that you would put onto your round table that are inspirational to you, maybe look at other businesses, other charities, other whatever, anyone that's done something that's similar to you. And even just send them a message through LinkedIn and find out how is you know how did you do this because people are really generous with their time I mean even if it's somebody that you think's a really you know a big player and you think they wouldn't answer you they do they do because <laughs> it's really quick and easy isn't yeah. it on LinkedIn yeah I also you know I find you both really inspiring the fact that you've decided to have a social purpose you've really gone for it I want to know if there's like a quote or do you have a mantra so something you tell yourself that just keeps you going Oh, mine's proceed until apprehended. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Makes you sound a bit naughty. <laughs> naughty. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, sometimes you just get asking for permission, yeah. asking for permission. Actually, let's just, you know, you can say sorry. So, yeah. I want, I want to see Celia after dark. This is going to be like Hollyoaks after dark version. And how about yourself, Susie? Uh, well, I'm obsessed with Brene Brown. So my one is one of hers, which is that she um, says that she's a, a recovering perfectionist and an aspiring good enoughist, which I love because good uh, enoughist. Yeah, basically, just and it's a similar sort of thing. Just uh, get up and do it. And don't worry about whether you're going to make it perfect or not, because you can always change things. But I love this because I've just met you today, Susie, and I can tell that you you like to have your ducks in a row. Yeah. You know, that you love a bit of research. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it is very, really difficult when you start a business to, to let go and to, as you say, not not hold on to being perfect. You yeah, can't really be perfect, can no. you? Listen, both, it's been so wonderful to speak to you. Susie Miller, Celia Hodson, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Thanks for listening to Royal Bank of Scotland's Ask for More podcasts, breaking down the barriers to women starting and running successful businesses.